Hello and welcome to our podcast. Today we're going to be talking about claims inflation, specifically relating to personal injury. My name is Basil Boyce and I'm here with my teammates. My name is Safa. And I'm Alan. We're going to talk about a few topics and then we have a great guest expert coming in to talk about personal injury and claims inflation later on in the podcast. The first topic that I want to talk about is uh, rehab and specifically technology in rehab. I mean, it's kind of ironic we have all these technological advancements, but with these technological advancements, it kind of inflates claims a bit. So as opposed to, you know, 100 years ago, we might not have had as many options for people with leg amputations. Nowadays, you have um, people that have prosthetics for running, for walking, for swimming even. And so these all cost costs, you know, and it, it raises the value of these claims. So while it, while it provides a greater quality of life, this is part of the reason why claims are inflating. Secondly, we have another great technological advancement is, is something called the Luke arm that we have. So, so people that have lost their whole arm, they can they can pick things up with the, with the help of robotics and neurotransmission and, and turn things on and do things with an, a kind of just a robotic arm. However, the cost of this, the, the flip side of this is the Luke arm costs 250,000 pounds. And the warranty only lasts two years. So a lot of money. <laughs> a lot of money, and hopefully for a long time for these for these claimants. But at the same time, it's 250,000 pounds of, you say, I mean, even over 10 years, uh, you're looking at uh, almost, almost. let's do the math on that. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that like 500,000? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, so it's, it's something to keep in mind, and it's part of the reason, you know, while we are developing these new technologies that help, you know, claimants to have a better standard of life. The argument against the Luke arm is is how how much of a better quality of life are we giving the claimants? Because it still has to be uh, monitored by a foot pedal. You know, it's not it's not strapped up to your brain. You're not going to be able to control it like that. How how much more of a higher quality of life are we providing claimants that as opposed to a claimant just having a normal arm prosthetic? And it's something that you know we have to evaluate and look at when when we look at these these kind of claims and um, what we're providing to the actual claimants. I guess the whole part is is we want to put them in the same position they were prior to the loss, so it is very difficult. Um, but the Lucam is a great advancement, but I feel like there is a lot more for technology to do. I guess. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot more that can be improved, improved yeah. upon, and, and I'm sure we'll see it, and I'm sure it'll get more expensive as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing I wanted to talk about was the uh, the uh, the care availability, and I know I know Safa, you're going to touch on this a bit more later on, um, but the care availability. I mean, the NHS is really great with acute trauma and 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 saving lives at the point, but once we get to the aftercare bit, um, this is when we start start to struggle a little bit, and I'm sure we're all aware of the delays that the NHS is facing, and we. We actually went out onto the street and talked to the public, and a majority of them are concerned about the delays that the NHS is facing. And, and you know, this led to quite a few people saying and talking about going to private health care so that they wouldn't have to suffer these delays. Would you ever contemplate looking at private health care over NHS as yeah, well? Definitely. Or would you? Yeah, I have private yeah, medical you do. care. Yeah. yeah. And is that because there's less delays involved? and? Yes, definitely less uh, delays, especially for my children, so if they're ever ill. Um, also probably better service, if I'm honest. I work within like medical kind of field, so... Oh, okay. Something the, close to your heart then at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think with proper planning and leadership it can be sorted out and it needs to stop being privatised. 
Okay. Yeah. Which would help it. Um, so do you feel like the NHS is in a transition sort of period at the moment where they're privatising sections yeah. off? Yes. Like if you look at GPs, loads of GPs are being bought up by like American companies, they're being turned into kind of businesses where you don't have GPs that are in the locality, they become local GPs. Mm. So and it takes like weeks to get a GP appointment. Yeah. The only reason I'd be able to be seen is because my dad has private insurance so I can go through him, but otherwise it would have been really tough. The way that this affects claim uh, this affects us from a claims aspect point of view is we're looking to get involved much earlier and at a much broader spectrum um, to get these claimants into private health care earlier than as opposed to maybe five or ten years ago when the NHS wasn't part of these delays and there was more uh, there wasn't as long waiting times because mm. something that we talked about earlier was before we came on the podcast is it can have a big psychological effect of you not getting the aftercare that you need and unfortunately, right now, it's not happening. So it's something that, that we're looking on. And I think you're going to touch touch on the the, uh, the care aspect of this a bit more now. Mm-hmm. So um, the cost of care is on the rise, which is is having a significant impact on the overall damages, which is which is which are awarded to claimants. Obviously, this has been evident throughout the cost of living crisis. Um, as we all know, um, the economy isn't in a great position, and we're being told about interest rates rising and everything getting more expensive nowadays. Individuals are unable to heat their homes due to the increase in gas and energy prices, which is, I know, um, as I'm sure you all are aware, is a big factor at the minute. This is obviously bound to have a negative impact on individuals, and this could ultimately affect um, someone's health. As a part of this podcast, we managed to speak to the general public, so we asked them about the current cost of living crisis and how they felt about it, what their thoughts were, and we managed to get a wide range of answers. Like, I'm only young anyway, I'm 18, so like, I ain't really got anything to pay for. All I Literally, I have a car to pay for, and that's it. But if I look at the likes of my mum, who, like, she's a single parent, and then I compare it to my dad, it don't really matter so much for my dad because he's got a good job. But where my mum's kind of working for the NHS, it's harder for her on her own um, as well. So, yeah, it's a bit of a tough one. It's like, it's everyone's got their own battles, that's the way I see it, and like, yeah, it just affects different people really, doesn't it? Yeah. It makes you kind of realise how mad it is that you kind of have to pay to live full stop really, let alone it's impossible sometimes to pay for lots of people to live. As Baz also rightly referred to earlier, um, there has been advancements in technology such as remote monitoring systems. I guess an at-home monitoring system could prove to be a more cheaper alternative method because um, essentially the cost of hiring someone and paying them like weekly, a, like a salary or something for instance, whereas technology would just constantly, there'll be a camera like looking over you and helping you out and it wouldn't cost, a, you wouldn't have to pay the camera a salary, you would just ultimately pay for it to purchase it one time and then it will do the job for you I guess but um, at the moment there's still a bit of a reluctance to move away from the traditional hands-on care option more people tend to prefer the hands-on care option because I guess there is nothing better than a personal touch um, in a sense yeah is, is, is it also due to the fact there's a lack of awareness around this other option yeah, yeah. I agree I feel like obviously as technology is adapting and things are changing there isn't a lot of like uproar about like how um, about these at home care systems most people all they know is like get someone to help them out they don't really know that there's a there's something else that they can choose from there also might be an element of mistrust in it I mean we don't know too much about it and obviously that comes with more awareness around around these having these systems in place um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I was just going to touch on, you know, local governments are the ones running with this initiative and they're generally always seen as the bad guys from, you know, a lot of the public and it's a really great initiative that they're running with and the more people talk about it and the more people become aware of it, those that have suffered injuries within their lifetime and are feeling a bit restrictive because they have a living carer and this option could empower them to feel more independent and then not only reduces costs it helps the claimant feel you know that they can live almost a normal life again as well so it really puts them back into that position as we say they brought a claim to be put back in the position as they once were before they suffered the injury yeah Mm -hmm. exactly it provides them that platform doesn't it yeah as SAF has already alluded to with living arrangements, COVID-19 has also had a severe impact on this. And, you know, whether that's been personally, financially, or, you know, also economically for, for the globe. And focusing on, you know, our personal injury claim scope to this discussion, you know, depending on the type of injury suffered uh, by the claimant could potentially result in their living arrangements having to be adapted and or, you know, specifically built for the claimant. And from this, um, you know, with the COVID-19 pandemic, there's been supply chain issues, which has meant there's been severe delays suffered, you know, across the world. And um, being able to get those raw materials shipped between the different countries, you know, touching on raw materials, there's, you know, those construction costs and the labour costs has seen a significant, you know, rise. And I think we still to this day continue to see so. And talking of labour costs, as a caveat to this as well, because, you know, during the pandemic, it's seen a lot of resignations with everyone being furloughed. But that's meant there's been a lot of new workers um, coming in mm-hmm. that are probably not necessarily fully qualified or skilled enough or to do the, the job. experience as well. Yeah. Exactly, mm-hmm. say the experience. And so this actually also rises to a new trend of claims that I think we're starting to see within the market these new employees, underqualified, underskilled workers, suffering injuries at work, and could this be a potential new claim trend in causing claims inflation as well for personal injury claims? And with why we're talking about construction costs and labour costs and the supply chain issues is if someone suffers an injury, and depending on the type of injury they suffer, could mean that they have to have their homes that they currently live in adapted or they have to have a accommodation specifically built for then for their requirements and because of covid that's meant there's been a severe delay to mm. that's happening and also things such as um, societal attitudes and the demographics cost of accommodation all have an important factor in where is this claimant wanting to be able to live moving forward and that the land is the most valuable and most costly part of a property not the actual physical property but the land and if someone is required to live on one one floor property that means there's more land required to build that accommodation therefore it's a bigger cost so I think these sorts of things are all leading to a rise as a result of rehabilitation and the care living arrangements factor into what we're seeing today for claims inflations rising in personal injury. Yep. You can see it's all compounding together, isn't it? And Yes, yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they all relate to one another in 
some way, shape or form. <laughs> Um, as a part of this discussion, we are lucky to have an expert on this topic join us. I would like to introduce you to Ben Appleton. Um, hi, I'm Ben Appleton. I'm legal director in the, the CAT serious injury team um, in the London office. I focus mainly on, on brain injuries, uh, whether that's from ELPL motor and uh, more recently sports concussion claims and dealing with all values of cases, uh, but mostly in the plus million uh, range. Ben, what has been the greatest rise in expenses you have seen in the last five years? Well, first of all, thanks for uh, for uh, inviting me today. Um, so, in terms of personal injury, what great expense was well, a lot of discussion at the moment about sort of claims inflation generally and it all kind of links to sort of wider issues geopolitical reasons really so uh, we've got brexit we've got um obviously the war in ukraine um and that in itself is is having an effect on the general cost of claims the biggest if it's had to say the biggest one and connected to all that is is care costs that's all all not solely related, but partly related to to Brexit, um, and basically a, a reduction in um, uh, supply. Basically, um, people who were working in the care industry leaving the UK, and therefore reducing the supply, and and that in itself then sort of ups the wages of those who who were still in the industry. And the care costs, I, mean, I don't know how much you know about sort of um, PI from the insurance perspective, but care costs are a huge percentage of it. So it's mm-hmm. care costs, an annual amount uh, for for a lifetime. So any any sort of um, variation in that costings has, has sort of huge effects um, on the cost of the overall cost of the claim. So, so I guess cost of care particularly over the last two or three years, has been huge. Um, other, I guess, linking into, I was saying sort of about geopolitical factors, Ukraine crisis leading to cost of living crisis, energy costs, and general financial disruption. And what we always see in times of um, you know, unstable financial times, recession, etc. We do always see an increase in uh, fraudulent claims, um, whether that's the entire claim being fraudulent or just a, an exaggeration of the loss. So, uh, particularly on the earnings front, to basically make up for whatever losses been incurred as, as to for sort of non-accident related factors. So, in answer to your question, I guess it's um, the biggest factor is, is major geopolitical factors way beyond the usual um, claims control factors that you consider. That's really interesting. Thanks, Ben. Going off that, um, do you think that these geopolitical factors are going to change the way that claims are handled or claims are going to be set up? It's very hard to tell. I mean, I would hope that in the next couple of years, things calm down a bit. (laughs) (laughs) If we have if we have five more years uh, like the last five, then um, it'd be incredibly hard to predict. Um, so, so my prediction, my hopeful prediction, is things calm down. And you know what what has happened over the last couple of years, obviously no one could have predicted. And you know, 
the effect that that has had on um, every walk of life, but obviously, particularly on, on what I do, has has been huge. But I do think we can't sort of um, predict and and sort of plan for another five years like last. Yeah, because I mean that'd just be crazy. I don't know. I don't know how you'd predict anything like that in another five years like this. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ben, if I could just go back and just touch on something that you, you mentioned you deal with a lot of brain injuries and something we talked about earlier on the podcast was um, this new kind of remote monitoring that that technology allows us to do. And, you know, have you seen an implanta- implantation of that more as opposed to a full-time uh, carer? Yeah, so um, was that brain in hands you were talking about? Uh, yes. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean... That that the tech side is is obviously really helpful on certain cases. Um, there's there's a there's a cultural change that has to happen. Going back, not to get too much into the specifics of the of it, but the rehab is run by a case manager, and the case manager um, does to an extent dictate sort of what what therapies are tried and stuff. And um, there's a there's a, sort of scope for an education piece with with the case manager as to, to what tech is available and what tech could could take the place of um of a human <laughs> uh, of, of, of a support worker stuff like brain in hand is great i i a, a lot again just going back to the brain injury stuff but a lot of that can be done via apps and it's not just the case that that will be cheaper from an insurance perspective but it's actually it's it's about the empowerment and um if you've had a brain injury the worst thing you can do is is sort of quickly become reliant on a, a heavy support package so a lot of the very basic brain training apps which you know you can go on the nhs app and it's all available they can be hugely valuable because it's um you know from a rehab perspective, it's getting the brain working again, and and that is only done through um, kind of through through self management to an extent. So certainly, the stuff that's coming through, there's there's um, huge scope for it to to improve the claim process, and you know we're always looking into it, um, and it it just needs to be pushed by both sides and and always be a consideration. All right. Um, well, Ben, thank you so much for being able to join us today and be a part of our podcast. No worries. No, our pleasure. And best, best of luck with the rest of the day. Right. Thank you, everyone, for listening to our podcast today. We hope you've enjoyed it. I think some three key takeaways from our discussion today is rehabilitation, care costs and living arrangements are all a huge factor into claims inflation and personal injury. However, you as the listener, what do you think of the rise of claims inflation for personal injury? Let us know your thoughts in the comments below.